Hello and welcome to the Practical Leadership Podcast, where I interview great leaders and try to extract their wisdom and their experience for you to learn from and hopefully avoid making their mistakes. If you want to upgrade your leadership skills in 25 minutes, check out practical-leadership.academy. Martin Ganate, thank you for joining me. Would you be so kind as to introduce yourself? Yes, I would love to. Thank you. So my name is Martin Gonateg. I'm working today as client partner at Comtrack, working with the best of real technologies within the compensation area. But my previous 20 years have I been working in different roles as a leader. I have run team and project in different sizes. And I think um, over those years, I learned some really, really fun Thing that I would love to share. Fabulous. Well, let's go back to the earlier ones then. When did you first become a people manager? Yeah, I think that's a really good question because in my case, I actually got my first official task to become a manager in 25 or something like that, 20, 28 where I was assigned to lead a small HRIS uh, team at a global uh, hygiene company back in the days. But actually, prior to that, I had my own company for six years. And at that time, I had uh, two employees. And actually, I had to become a leader there already, but I never saw myself as a leader (laughs) at that time. It's a rare thing that when you talk to uh, founders of companies, even ones who obviously everybody starts with just one or two people, and then all of a sudden there's like, I look around, says the guy I was talking to last week, I look around and there's 350 people here and I'm their boss. You know, he's just like, it Exactly. Happens. Yeah. When, when did that happen? Yeah. Nobody's ever taught them how to do it. And you don't think of yourself as the boss, but actually, yeah, they all look to you as the as- boss. Exactly. And that doesn't matter which situation you are. And actually, you become the the leader or the boss at that point of time. When you have somebody, you need to give tasks, follow up, take care of, administrate and whatever you do. Well, one of of my uh, interviews from a few weeks ago, he was saying that everybody needs to be managed, but they want to be led. Yeah, you know? that's a really good statement. I like and that. that. Somebody else said mm-hmm. that you become, you move from this management thing to this leadership thing. Um, when you stop trying to be interesting, <laughs> you start being interested. Yeah. You know, you yeah. That other. I totally agree. Yeah. And that's not about me giving you bright ideas here. This is, I want, I want yours. No, 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 but yeah. When, when, with this experience now, with nearly 20 years of experience in uh, being a manager, being a leader there, what would you advise somebody else coming into that role to do? Yeah. I mean, I think it's very important to, to be structured, to be flexible, but also open mind and don't take things for granted. Um. People are different, and managing people is what you do as a leader, or you working together with people that have a lot of competence and skills, but they also have their specialties. And I think 
to get the best situation, the most creative and flexible situation, uh, is to really acknowledge the person. The skill is one, one thing. That's, that's something you could see on paper, you could understand really fast, but learning to understand the person behind that skill, that is for me the key to success or to really understand how you should organize your team because we are so different and different situations require different setups. And I think the pandemic situation is a really, really good example how you as a leader need to to be very open mind for changes. Okay, so Hmm? structured, flexible, open-minded, not taking things for granted. Is structured and flexible I mean, how, how do they work together? I suppose, yeah. can, can you only be, it's, it's like the discipline is the driver of freedom, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, you could say. I mean, you need some clear guidelines and rules to get things done, to, to create a structure, because otherwise you can't have anarchy in a team and total freedom. That will be very, how do you say, non-productive, because you always... So what is, then you need to go back to the core. What is the purpose of this team, this group? Yeah, and most of the time, we have to be productive. We're going to solve a problem or we're going to take on um, uh, something unknown and try to figure out how to take care of it. And I think to do that, you need structure, but you also need to have freedom and flexibility for people to give input and to guide and to support from various ways. So I think there is not one solution that works for every team, for every situation. It's the absolutely opposite. You have one unique situation for every single task you takes on. But what, what is, is a common ground, I think, is to have a clear structure that everybody understands and could, could follow to create this productivity. So how do you go about doing that? Practically, you could like, okay, if we take a very practical example, if you have a larger team, you need more structure, I would say, because otherwise you lose the efficiency you want to have. And one way of doing it within the technology sector is to have daily syncs in the morning. So you say, okay, everybody have clear tasks. You know what to do. Everybody knows when it has to be completed, but you want to understand how the progress is there so you don't get surprises in, a, in just two days before it's going to be finished. So then you, you could have like every day, nine o'clock, everybody come together, have a daily brief, high level, and also raising critical critical topics like, okay, um, uh, we have an issue with a decision. We can't get the decision. If if we don't get the decision, we can't complete the task in time. Okay, then that communication is secured and is given. And then you can make decision. Okay, who's taking that task? Who act on it? And having those checkpoints, daily checkpoints with the team, and this might also be very technical related when you do system development uh, and stuff like that. But then you could act on those critical things early on. And it's actually, it's all about communication. 
the right communication for the right people at the right time. And it could be for the decision maker. Hey, it's critical to take this decision before this this date. So we could finish what we already agreed in the bigger planning, for example. Mm -hmm. And then it could be communication back to the team saying, you will get an answer before the day. So don't feel stressed. Focus on what what you're doing. We are working on the decision in another area of the team. So then you give communication, you get communication, you get information. And by this way, you create a good environment for, for developing and moving things forward. Okay, so you got, mm-hmm. you're trying to structure a team for productivity. Yeah. Daily synchronized check-in, so like a, a daily stand-up. Okay. Yeah. Good communication. Yeah, I, I would you could, yeah. Good communication is, but also um, in those check-ins, you get the feeling of, of how the team are, are feeling. Are we stressed? Are we feeling good? Are we laughing? Are we quiet? If somebody, you also could have that, you put on the, the radar to feel in, okay, if somebody feel left out, because you also have, if you work internationally, you have different culture and people act differently in different situations. Some people would never raise the hand and say, I, I really want a new task because I'm finishing everything now and I need something new or I'm not feeling happy with this task. I have a challenge, but I can't ask for help because nobody helping me. In those gatherings, you could, when you get to know the people you're working with, see if there is those kind of trends going on in the team as well. And then you as a leader could step in and act on it and you take one and ones with those people or those individuals that might have a different behavior than they normally do. And that is losing, how you say, when you listening into what uh, people there was a better word for this that I was looking for. Responsive to people's mm, yeah. feeling, right? Or, or state of mind. And it could be stressed related to work. It could be stressed related to your work, work situation. You're forced into the office every day. Your kids are sick. You have a deadline coming up. You feel very unhappy. And those are situations that might be really hard for you as an individual to make decisions around. But as a leader, you could go in and mitigate and prioritize to help the person in the team to to really get into that state of mind to be productive. Because if one key player gets distracted or gets less productive, that could impact other people. If you then have a, a, a flow of activities going where everybody is critical, you don't have unlimited resources, so you need to be very careful with the one you have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So that, that is the productivity angle. And then you have the, the long, long-term satisfaction factor of actually having people to, to want to stay. I mean, it, it is the, the, the employee's market out there. There is, always, there is a lot of work for competent people. So you also need to, for the long-term sake, secure that you create a situation that is fun and challenging and stimulating for, for, the, for the people you are responsible for. Otherwise, 
why why not go to another company and try if if I get what I want there instead? Okay. So the long-term satisfaction then you think is the result of a productively structured team that syncs frequently, has good communication, has a leader that pays attention to what's not being said, the yeah. sentiment of the team. Yes. Yeah. I really, really believe in that. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah. How have you gone about organizing a team? You're talking about this as a larger organization, and this is, I think, specifically interesting for people who have technical teams mm? delivering against or project teams, technical or project teams delivering against uh, gated or milestoned uh, deliverables, yeah? Exactly, and you have methodologies to, to do development. You could follow Kanban boards mm. and Scrum and so on, but that only deals with the technical aspect and those are very important tool for the productivity but i think you use the tool to support those other activities so you have the forum you have the situation where you you gather people you listen to what is said and what is not said mm -hmm. but you always need to as a leader i think have that close relationship with all your team members and some people require more support than others. And it could also sh shift over time because things happen outside work that will impact work. So it, it's really hard to disconnect those two, even though work is work and private is private. But it, it goes, I mean, your state of mind is what we talk about here, how you how you feel and so on. And then it goes together. Mm. But it's also important to be very clear that when you are at work, you're working, you're doing this. And that is where you need that structure to, to really secure that we have the efficiency, that you do what you're supposed to do and you feel, feel in control of your task and productivity. So when it comes to that structure then, what else, what else would you advise? Um, very basic thing. It's also if you have remote teams sitting globally versus if you have local team. But I think it's it's very important to get together as a team physically, having some fun together, working together, not often, but now and then, and also to onboard new people so they really find their spot in the team. But when it comes to the daily productivity, I couldn't care less of where you are sitting. Uh, the only thing I would care about is that we reach our goal, what we agreed, the productivity again, but also to see that you're feeling happy with your situation because then I know you will, you will most likely stay with me for a longer time than if I force you to do things that doesn't fit into your way of thinking and living. And here we here you also have different angles when it comes to maybe more senior people. They really could sit at home working by themselves and feeling totally fine about it. But if you have younger team members that maybe rent a room in another person's apartment, they they want to have somewhere to go and, and work. So you, so in the same team, if you have larger team, you need to deal with this both sides. And you couldn't do it together with both of them because then you have like, I want this, I want that. So you, 
is always this fingertop feeling and, and try to find what works out the best to continue delivering productivity. Okay, so that goes back to your original point there. You're looking for something that's structured, yet flexible. You're open-minded, not taking happiness in the team for granted or productivity for mm -hmm. granted, and learning to understand each individual in your team so that your structured team has its communication, it's synchronized with the points, you're checking in, following up, listening to what's not said, paying attention to the longer-term satisfaction of the team, and in the particular remote context, as we have here, it's you know, trying to get people together, but actually understanding how individuals work in that remote environment in their own way. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Makes it. That's fascinating. Very good summary. <laughs> Thank you. Well, I was taking notes, you know, I was you know, I was trying to learn this stuff. I, mean, you know, I find that if I'm actually taking notes for um, uh, information, I type them. I'm actually I'm trying to learn something. I use a pen or a pencil and a notepad. I actually try to write it down because there's more likelihood to be remembering it that way. I think. You know, it's a, it's a, there is something when writing down with a pen and paper, right? There that is. is, there is. It, it goes in the head. I do the same. Yeah. So my yeah. my problem is my handwriting is appalling, <laughs> appalling. My son comes to me sometimes and says. <laughs> yeah, my meetings. <laughs> That's it. I love that. Um, just so you know, Martin just held up a piece of paper in front of the camera here because we're recording this in Zoom. We held up a piece of paper in the front of the camera here. And I'm not sure if it was hieroglyphics or calligraphy or what it was, but it certainly wasn't in Swedish. <laughs> Sorry, <Martin. laughs> true, true. Oh, my, 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 wee, my, mm -hmm. my wee boy is actually he's he's um, improving his writing skills right now, and I'm saying, oh, you got to you know you're working your writing, but he always comes back and says, but daddy, <laughs> and then points to my notes. Oh. <laughs> Don't do as I do, do as I say. It doesn't work for anyone, yeah. even eight year olds. Yeah. Oh, um, is there an event or was there an experience or even a mistake that drove you to particularly learn something that you rely on? I think uh, mistakes is part of learning. It's just, uh, I mean, I have some really good example. And uh, I mean, what I would like to mention is like, I'm stepping into, and, and this is also related to technology because this is my background. And, and the statement here is that just because technology can do it, it doesn't mean it's the right thing to do. And that's, I learned that lesson very hard when I was working in this fantastic hygiene company where I got a, a, a task solver a problem, specific problem, and that we couldn't find a supplier that targeting that specific problem. So we went uh, into the one we work with with other technologies and one of them said, oh, yes, of course, we could do that. We could do it. And he probably have a different understanding. So here we are back to clear communication again. But And we kept on working with that company. We tried to achieve this. And in his mind, they did achieve it. And I, I think he's right. But it was a horrible solution, not addressing anything of, of what was the next step in it. So the technology did what I asked them to do because my communication was too poor to them. So, and they also just wanted to, to try to build their relationship with us. So they really tried. But at some point down the road, a number of 10,000 of pounds later, 
we uh, we I sit down with my project team and say, hey, we can't continue this. We can't stand behind it. I can't stand behind. It would be embarrassing, and it would be embarrassing for for the people trusting in us to continue this. So we needed to take a, a full stop, bite the apple and say, hey, this is not good enough. And we did it. And my learning from that was you really need to, to, to make sure you provide good information of the big picture, not only the technology. At this point, I was so into technology only I never consider the end user, the end user experience, the customer of what we're going to do. And I think that's where you need to start. What kind of issue are we solving for whom? And how, when you understand that, and then you start and say, okay, I have a person here having a problem. They, they need technology to replace this activity that takes hundreds of hours. Then you go back and you look at technology. What kind of technology could we use? Do we need to build something? Could we buy something off the shelf to solve that issue? But you shouldn't start with the technology and then say, hey, here's the technology. We're going to solve your problem without involving the stakeholder. And every senior project manager or leader would say, yeah, you should have thought of that. And yes, that was my learning back in 15 years ago. And I still remember it very fresh because I reflect on it every month, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think so much of business, um, even life in general, would be made easier if we all thought about the outcome or the impact that we were trying to create, not the thing we're doing today, me here right now, mm -hmm. but what is it ultimately that the organization or our customers want or the people at the end, what are we trying to create? What's the impact we're trying to do? we're trying to build on or deliver and work yeah. backwards from there rather than yeah. looking at our belly buttons and thinking here's me today and you got a nice exactly. nice example hits the, the was it was it this the sunk cost fallacy we've spent a hundred thousand on <laughs> yes. this already we have to keep spending it i know yeah, it's crap, yeah exactly but we're going to keep buying more crap until the crap stops being um, crap no no that's and and works <laughs> and the money was an an important factor or challenging factor to take the decision mm. because it was their poking you had spent all this money you say you say you're going to solve your this problem and then you come back and say i failed and i blew this money away but that is the right decision so and a good company and good leaders they will say okay what did you learn let's do a retrospective of this that is a very important step. Okay, we learned that, we did that, we, too fast, okay, okay, wrong people involved. Okay, how would you do it next time? And then you take that with you and, and you don't do the same mistake again. Again. The best learning is the most expensive sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> um, what do they call it? After action reviews? The after action reviews, kind of a military term, you know, once you've had the, yeah, the yeah. engagement. But it's the same, uh, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh -huh. So a nice, a nice thing I heard, uh, I was talking to somebody that reminded of me this fairly recently was pre-mortems, not a post-mortem after the body is found, but it's to stop the body dying. You know, what do we do? <laughs> so you go through the process, through the project and you think, right, if we wanted to absolutely trash this project, how would we damage it? What would we do to destroy it and stop people working on it? And what are all the bad decisions we could make? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, you use that as part of your risk 
yeah. assessment. You know, you, that's you so good. That. That's really, really nice way of challenging what you're mm. doing. Yeah. And it's, it's also, change. yeah, it's good. Absolutely. What would you like to thank the younger Martin for doing? Yeah, that, I think that's also very good thing to reflect on now then. I think uh, uh, one of the things that I would say is that I wasn't afraid to adapt to changes. So that I, I want to thank you. I mean, being open-minded and, and see possibilities instead of problem. I think that's probably what took me a little bit out of the countryside and, and, and on the journey I have done. And uh, that's probably the number one. Nice. And yeah. then lastly, as we wrap up, how can people find you, Martin? You find me on LinkedIn. That's where I am. Uh, I think that's the best place when it comes to, to find people related to the work, yeah. uh, work life. Martin Kanateg, thank <laughs> you very much for joining me. Thank you. That's a wrap. Thank you for joining me today. Your homework, subscribe and share this with a friend or colleague. Please leave your five-star review and any comments you have because that really helps me to improve every day and it helps people to discover me online. If you want to upgrade your leadership skills in 25 minutes, you should check out practical-leadership.academy.